We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Are you crying? No. Are you crying? Are you crying? There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball. You think football is still fun? Uh, yes. Sir. Yes, no. No? Sir, sir uh, it was fun. Not anymore, though, is it? Is it? No, not by No, it's not fun anymore. Not even a little bit. Just look at that. He hit the fucking ball. That gets a free steak. <laughs> you having fun yet? Oh, yeah. I'm having a blast. Thanks. Good. All right, welcome back to Big Screen Sports, the sports movie podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast. I am your host, Kyle Banduho. It is December, so we're going to talk about Christmas. We're going to do our Christmas movie of the month. Uh, last year we did, I believe, D was when we did DCOM December for Disney Channel Original Movie December. This year we're, ju- we're just going to talk about a Christmas movie. Uh, as voted on by our Patreon group, shout out new patron, Zach Rich. Zach, welcome. Uh, he got in a little late, couldn't vote on the Christmas movie, but there is a, a great pull-up for our January movie. And then shout-out to our producer-level patrons, Aaron Figueroa, Mike Schubert, Steve Rogers, Kevin Frost, Mike D., Ryan Yeager, Mike Dries, James Kowalewski, and Chris Mykoski. If you go to patreon.com slash bigscreensports, you can support the show and vote on pretty much every episode we cover at this point, including this one, our Christmas movie. We're going to be talking about Just Friends, and there was only one person that I could call up on to cover this movie. Uh, someone I don't even consider a guest, my co-host from For the Win, Alex McDaniel. Alex, how are you doing tonight? Hi, all. We got the band back together. Got the band back together. Well, we almost, we almost got the band back together. Well, I mean, we're the original band. Like, yeah. We, we, we added Caroline later as like a backup singer and her throat hurts tonight. <laughs> yeah, we, we will have, it'll be you, me, and Caroline here on something real soon that I'm yes. looking forward to. But Alex, I assume all the content over it for the win. <laughs> so much content. We really have. We've um, lately, and I'm actually being sincere and not an idiot for once. Um, we've added so many great new staffers with the bet for the win side, which is run by Caroline Darney, who could not be here with us tonight. Um, and we have expanded our gaming coverage and our esports, and like we're rocking and rolling. It's just really great to work with such a wonderful group of sports fans who understand sports fans and they're not, you know, on their high horses about dumb stuff. We just, we just like to have fun. We're jokesters. So check us out. FTW.USAToday.com. And we've got bowl season on tap, both my team and Caroline's team playing at a baseball stadium, as you were kind enough to point out. Yes. Way to go. <laughs> With your face 
baseball stadiums. Um, it's going to be super fun. Very excited for y'all. My team is playing in a little known arena called the Superdome, but maybe they'll show us on like ESPN three. I don't know. I have heard of it. Yeah. I have heard of it. Might, <laughs> might be a game that might be a game that some people watch. Maybe. Uh, but, but Alex, let's, let's dive right in. Uh, I believe this is the first time that we're talking about anything other than that, that one TV show that we talked about a little bit. What was it called? Uh, I can't remember. Can't remember. It's got a great Christmas, <laughs> got a great Christmas episode though. But today we're talking about just friends, the 2005 romantic comedy while visiting his hometown during Christmas, a man comes face to face with his old high school crush whom he was best friends with, a woman whose rejection of him turned him into a ferocious womanizer, which is a very aggressive phrase. Uh, it starred Ryan Reynolds, Amy Smart, Anna Ferris, and Chris Klein. It was directed by Roger Cumble. This one has a 42% on Rotten Tomatoes, but it has a 71% audience score, which I think kind of vibes with the general feeling around this one, around normal people who have watched this one. Alex, I, I believe this would probably have a higher than 71% score for you. Yeah, it's like 99% in my heart <laughs> for the record. And what's funny is like, I know, maybe nobody's thinking this, but I'm thinking this and I have to call out my own hypocrisy. A movie based on the idea that a man gets rejected simply just because like the girl he likes doesn't want to date him. And his answer is to be a total asshole to women for the next 10 years of his life. That is the opposite of my personal brand. <laughs> like every, I get it. So let me just get that out of the way right now before anyone calls me out. I call myself out on this every day. But this movie came out in 2005. I was an idiot. I was 19. I didn't know anything. And I just think it's like one of the funniest, most charming. Once you get past all the bad stuff, <laughs> it becomes like a really charming, good movie. And I love it. You have to ignore a lot. Um, this one, this is yeah. important for me. I, I loved it in high school. And then weirdly in college, I, I think, Alex, I think I've told you this, but my college baseball coach it just loves this movie, apparently. And it was the <laughs> first movie we watched on our first road trip of the year every season. Just Friends was like had to be like we could not watch a movie until we had watched Just Friends. So it was always the first movie we watched every season. I told you this before we started recording. It's the first time I've watched it with adult eyes, like grown grown man yeah. eyes, not like dumbass college student eyes. <laughs> and you you definitely have to ignore some things. Um, yeah. You have to come face to face with a few of the realities of some of the characters in this one. But it is it's still funny. It still makes me laugh out loud. There were still parts I was really looking forward to. Um, there's still a lot of incredible performances. This is as loaded a Lenny Harris pinch hitter award category movie as there is. Just so I, many people <laughs> just fucking swinging for the fences in this one. Yeah. And I think like, and I'll probably repeat this a lot throughout this episode, but like this movie does not hit without Ryan Reynolds. Like Ryan Reynolds is central. And of course, like, as I say on all of our episodes with the lasso, like the writing is smart. And so that's what attracts me to it naturally. But you put anyone else in that main role and I'm not, I don't, I'm not as invested. And so I think it's like a huge Ryan Reynolds vehicle. Yeah. There's not a lot of, not a lot of people could have carried this, especially because his character. And, and this is something that I didn't remember. And on rewatch, his character is unlikable for a large amount of this movie. Like yeah, more, more than you more than a typical rom-com, even a rom-com character with like a smarmy, you know, like 
Yeah. And when Harry met Sally, I would say that Billy Crystal's character, probably the first like 30% of the movie until, until he gets divorced, I think yes. we're not like, we're not totally vibing with him as like a good match, uh, you know, for Harry being a good match for Sally. This one, he, I mean, it's like 80, 85%. He's a, he's yeah. a piece of shit. He is, but the difference is, and in Harry met Sally, or in when Harry met Sally, rather, we don't know Harry's origin story. That's the difference. Like, what allows this movie to work, and I'm just speaking broadly because I know we have many questions to get through, is the fact that we start with the fact that Ryan Reynolds' character, Chris Brander, is an overweight nerd. Based on the movie, I'm not judging him. But, like, that's how they set it up. Like, he was mistreated, he was made fun of. Anytime you introduce that in a story, people are going to be empathetic toward that. They just are. And I think like if you don't have that origin story and here's just this asshole, we don't we're not talking about this movie, you know, 16 years later. No, no. So. And and we have to keep coming back to that, to what he was as a high schooler and their yeah. their bond when they were high schoolers, because as adults, there's not a lot to lean on that would make us think that nope. they should wind up together. Exactly. Even throughout this entire movie. I agree. So I ask you, Hall of Fame, All-Star, Starter, or Bench Warmer movie? Here's my question. I'm going to answer your question with a question. <laughs> Do we mean just in general, or is this like a Hall of Fame rom-com, Hall of Fame Christmas movie, Hall of Fame Christmas rom-com? What are we saying? Listen, Alex, this is your show. <laughs> you, you you decide however however you want. You could say Christmas okay. Hall of Fame Christmas movie, movie in general, in the Alex McDaniel Hall of Fame, which I assume is shaped like the, the Bass Pro Pyramid. Yes, it is. I was going to say, if this is like a you're on a desert island, you magically have a DVD player and a TV and, and electricity, what five movies would you have with you? I would have this as one of my five. 100%. It makes me laugh it's every very time. rewatchable. Yes, very rewatchable. And I, there has never been a time I've watched this movie where I didn't laugh hysterically at something. So yeah, it's going to be a Hall of Famer for me. Yeah, you can ask Jacqueline. There were multiple times last night where I just I laughed out loud, even when I knew exactly what was coming. Like there were there were lines I was looking forward to laughing at. And folks, if you haven't rewatched this one in a while, is it on Netflix until December thirty first? So hop on it. Um, I'm going to say this is an all star. I mean, it is. It's really important to me. A lot of performances I like. Sure. Some stuff that hasn't aged well as an adult. You're not entirely sure about this relationship and if this is this is really smart. Um, I think they could have, I think they could have done Jamie a little more justice in the writing. This is, I mean, but it's definitely, definitely a Reynolds vehicle. Is this on your Ryan Reynolds, Mount Rushmore? Yes. Easily. It is. Easily. It's probably my, so do you want me to tell you my Mount Rushmore? Yeah. What's your Reynolds, Mount Rushmore? Just friends, Deadpool. And I'm combining Deadpool one and two, because I think they're equally brilliant, but like it's Mount Rushmore. So you can only have one head, right? Um, so that's, that goes as one, um, the proposal and Van Wilder. Cause it was like, it was the original, like I, Van Wilder was, I, I was kind of talking about it before we started recording. Like I haven't watched Van Wilder. I think since I was 20, 21, I don't think Probably I'm going to watch again. I <laughs> think I'm going to just keep those, keep those good memories inside. And cause I could not imagine that's a movie that has, there are movies like there's stuff in this movie where it's like, uh, they would do it differently. Dan Wilder might be a movie where you're like, I'm not even sure I can watch this with a 2021 lens. Exactly. I haven't rewatched it since like the first time I watched it, which had to be when I was like, what, 
18, 19. I can't remember when it came out, but same around the same time. And like, you know, Ryan came out with the, what was called two guys, a girl in a pizza place. And they shortened it because that's a ridiculous title to two guys and a girl. He he's one of those who plays himself like a version of himself and everything he does. And that's part of his charm. Yeah. Yeah. So. There's one that you didn't mention, which is Adventureland, which is not a Reynolds vehicle, that. but he played, oh my God. Wait, no, is that the one with Kristen Stewart? Kristen Stewart and okay, Jesse Eisenberg. Yes, I have he's, he's just a supporting character, but he's okay. he's really good. I he he is in that movie enough where I will I will consider it a Reynolds vehicle. Um okay, also fair. he's he's also in Smoke and Aces, which is just like I've never heard of that. It's cocaine. That's just all. Is that it? Is. it? Just look. It's, it's just a lot of guns, <laughs> cocaine. Like it's just a lot it's, of power. It's ridiculous. Yeah, and then he's you know he's in been in a bunch of Netflix movies lately, but oh yeah, what's that red? What's it called? The one red with the notice rock. or something? Red notice. Yeah, we he was in that. he was in Six Underground, the Michael Bay movie. I don't know what that is either. We watched well, Jack and I, my son, we watched Red Notice. I think I fell asleep and he watched the rest of it. But again. <laughs> it was Ryan Reynolds playing a version of himself, which I yeah. love. Like that doesn't bother me to see that. Cause he's really good at being, you know, snarky and witty. He's got the charisma to do it. So the, the, I put this up for Christmas movie for a vote in the Patreon as a Christmas movie, which, you know, there might be some dispute on, is this a Christmas movie? I mean, I guess for you, is this a Christmas movie? It is. Yes. Okay. Like I, I would watch it other times of the year, but I'm that way with a lot of my Christmas movies. I like, so does it no. get into your Christmas movie Rushmore? No, but I do have that to share too. If you yeah, want to share this, share that please. <laughs> okay. My, and this is just mine. I'm not saying this should be the world's my Christmas movie Rushmore Christmas vacation. Naturally. Um, Elf love actually, but actually I might even change that to be the holiday. Cause I think the holiday is better than love. But love actually to me culturally is stronger as a Christmas movie. And then a Christmas story. So. so I have a Christmas story. Okay. Die Hard. <laughs> I knew we were getting to the Die Hard. Which, which is great. Um, the Holiday, which I have to I have to credit my wife. I had not seen The Holiday until we got together. And I, I think The Holiday is wonderful. It's brilliant. I and love then, it. And then uh, The Grinch. I, which one? Either the original cartoon or the new Benedict Cumberbatch cartoon. I'm fine Thank with you. Either. Thank you. Not here for the Jim Carrey version. That's a thing in our house. Whenever Jack says the Grinch, I kind of half-heartedly say the one with Jim Carrey. And he's like, you know, that's not what I meant. I want the one with, because Benedict Cumberbatch, they got the complete spirit of the story. And you don't have this weird backstory about how like Benedict went kind of nuts on set and was mean to people like you did with the other one. So I agree with that. Yeah, I love, and I just love Benedict Cumberbatch, and he plays a great <laughs> neurotic Grinch. Like I love, I love the look at it. Yeah, so I love. They make him lovable because, I know. like, and this upset me, and we're not going to get on a tangent, but I just want to say this one thing. There was some tweet last week that showed I don't know it was a Christmas parade or something in some town, and it was like these cops arrested the Grinch for trying to oh, ruin Christmas. That. I'm like, did you not read the story? That's not how he reforms. <laughs> he learns the spirit and love. Like he felt rejected by this community. And he was, he didn't, his heart did not grow in the back of a cop car, but I digress. The We're not here for that. The industrial complex got the Grinch. We're not here for the social commentary shame. about the Grinch. <laughs> it's a shame. No, we are, we're here to talk just friends. Let's dive into best scenes. I have a lot. I wrote, wrote down, wrote down quite a bit. Um, oh, so, man. The, our opener, high school graduation. 
we get uh, they they put Ryan Reynolds in a fat suit, which is tough. Uh, but that I mean, nightmare night. I like my col. I had a horrible college graduation, like all time bad college graduation. And oh, do tell. Oh, it's I, that's <laughs> an off. Short that's an off mic. Okay. Off mic thing. That's an off the record. Uh, off off the record thing. Just it it was not good. It was not yeah. good. It began a began a dark time in my life. But I would take my college graduation a hundred times <laughs> over over Chris Brander's high school graduation. Like in, I mean, just incredible nightmare that really sets us up for what kind of a monster that he becomes. It's perfect. I know. It's it's very it's very well done. And let me preface this by saying, because I don't, okay, we're all family. <laughs> we, have, we have faithful listeners. So, and I've taught, I've written about this before. So this isn't like some deep, dark secret. When I like growing up and when I was in high school, I was like morbidly obese. And so, and I'm five, nothing. So it doesn't take much for me to look curvier than usual. And I'm a curvy gal, but it's fine. But when I was in high school, y'all, like the day I graduated high school, and this is not me fat shaming, first of all, I believe all bodies are beautiful. I'm just explaining my high school experience. I was very overweight. I was unhealthy. I was not active. I was like 235 pounds and I was five, nothing. So again, just imagine this. I had Chris Brander's high school experience. Like I was in the band. I did drama club. I had my tribe, you know, I had my people, but I think this movie really reached out to me because when I got to college, and I grew up like I started exercising. I was dieting. I did many unhealthy things that I do not condone. But like I had the glow up scenario. Do you know what I mean? So and again, I'm not saying that some like wonderful story. I'm just telling you my journey. <laughs> so I, but my point is like when I went back to my hometown, because I tried to avoid it most of the time when I went to college, it was the same situation where like I would go to stores and my classmates would see me and be like, what? You don't look anything like you used to look. And when you're 19 and 20, that is heroin, right? That is like, yes, this is everything I wanted. And then you get older and realize how shallow it is. But I think I just want to preface that at the beginning. So we know, like, I think that's why I latched onto this movie so much, because I understand that part of it. Now, I didn't go on some evil mission to make people feel bad about it to be I, fair I, you didn't get stuck in a best friends for a forever I, t-shirt forever with no there was no like unrequited love situation in high school or i was like i'm gonna show him one day but that's a very real situation it's not just about weight or looks anybody who felt less than or an outcast in high school if you go off and make a name for yourself there is part of you that's like i want to go back to my you know, my high school reunion show them I became someone. So I, I very much identify with this anyway. Yeah. I mean, that was me when I got <laughs> verified on Twitter, just right down, you know, I actually live in my hometown, but yeah, you know, just threw a parade for myself. <laughs> um, Look at me now. y'all! I got a blue check. That, that first scene also, it, it starts off what is without a doubt, uh, for me, Chris Klein's greatest performance ever when Dusty <laughs> rolls in with the guitar and just like, the, come on, Dusty. Just so good. So, so <laughs> I've got a lot on Chris Klein tonight because. Well, he, yeah. I mean, Chris Klein was like a, a mega hunk in those days. And he was like, he made his grand debut in American Pie. Was he in that baseball movie? You know what I'm talking about. The oh. one, what was it called? Uh, the, the where they played the minor league or the Freddie Prince Jr. is in it and oh, Matthew summer Lillard. catch no he was not in summer catch okay 
Well, he could have been. He was in American Pie. Um, He was in We Were Were Soldiers. Yes. And he was in this. And then, um, I mean, he's been... He's been working pretty consistently, but I, I think I think this is probably the peak for uh, for Chris Klein. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Have you watched? Um, what's, it's not Heart of Dixie. There's some show where he has to play a southerner in a small town. He's terrible, but he's still very pretty. But- I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure Chris, Chris Klein is the guy <laughs> who's probably going to be good looking for a while. Um, he plays the, the nerd very well. The next scene, and I mean, it's kind of the the second part of this is the the return to the hometown bar, and honestly, this situation I always look forward to this, but like I am so happy for him for Chris because we've seen him get humiliated, and like yes. he does get the drink. Like this is best case scenario. You are you're very good looking. You're in good shape, yep. and everyone knows who you are because your your high school nemesis Tim bald Tim wearing his Letterman jacket saw you at the grand. Imagine your high school nemesis coming up to you and be like, I saw you at the Grammys. Like again, that's, that's a mega shot of heroin. It and, is. And you have brought your high school crushes there. who You've been pining over for, you know, 15 years and you've uh-huh. brought the most famous girl on the planet there with you. Yeah. Dream scenario. It is the dream scenario. And I love, I love what Tim says. Do you have five dollars? I could like have <laughs> class of ninety five. <laughs> like, so and then, good. and then what he follows that up with though always makes me laugh. I always forget about it. He gives him the five dollars, and he turns right around. Here's your money, bitch. <laughs> Here's your money, bitch. It's so good. It's. Just, I mean, yeah, it's the perfect. I think that's that was kind of my point for that whole rambling session. Is like if you've ever been in a situation, not even in high school, but a situation where you were kind of looked down upon. And you get that moment of I'm going to show you, and then you show them all. That's that's cathartic. It's a big yeah. deal. It rarely yeah. ever happens that way, but it's nice to watch it. Yeah, and I mean, also though, he he apparently told his best friends in the world to kick rocks as well. Like he literally cut everybody off. So that's, I, I mean, about that. men will move to L.A. and join the record industry to avoid going to therapy. It's just. <laughs> It's crazy. I also, I really, I feel his pain of, uh, again, kind of uh, talking about my bad grad night. I really feel the pain of bringing an embarrassing, crazy person back to your hometown. That's oh. that's tough. That's, that's all I'll say on that. I'm not talking about my wife, folks. <laughs> um, but but Ferris in this, Ferris is is so, so good in this. She's, again, she's another one. Even though, like, I do have opinions about what we could do with this movie beyond this movie. I do think there's remake potential. Spoiler alert. We'll talk about that later. In this movie, though, anyone else playing that character, I'm not as invested. She was brilliant the entire time. She was so, so good. And when he reunites with Craig and Darla and her little side, her little side bits, <sighs> TJ. TJ. Like- <laughs> <laughs> if you think America will ever switch to the metric system. What's well, a very interesting... Some nice veneers you got, my friend. Don't tell me that you're a dentist. A dentist? Yeah, I totally sold out, dude. Hey, you and me both, buddy. <laughs> hey, lover, aren't you gonna introduce me? Yes! Samantha. These are my old friends. This is Clark, 
is Darla. Your names are Clark and Darla? <laughs> oh my god, that is so cute! I just want to eat you both up! <laughs> So good. This whole podcast is just going to be us screaming quotes at each other. And people who haven't seen this are going to be like, I don't know what I'm listening to. But the secondary characters in this one are they. They're great. They give so many people a chance to shine from his his friend, Craig, the dentist, to obviously yes. like obviously they they let I didn't do the IMDb trivia because there really wasn't a ton of good trivia in this one. But one of the notes was that uh, Ferris drank like Red Bulls before performing every day, try to make herself, you know, I guess jittery or a little, you know, a yeah. little spastic. And they basically kind of gave her free reign to, you can play this up. Cause again, like 2005. So they're filming this in 2004. Paris Hilton is super fucking famous. Yep. And they just, they basically just kind of said, Hey, chew up every scene you're in. And she, she did it perfectly. Yeah. So I think in this, <laughs> I swear I'm not doing this on purpose just to like cross brand things. It's, you know, Juno Temple as Keely is kind of the grown up version of Samantha James of like, I was famous for almost being famous. And that's kind of what Samantha is. She's like, that was a time when like Paris Hilton was everything. And she also had a single Lindsay Lohan had rumors. Britney Spears was also a socialite along with everything else. This was the age of blonde white women going to clubs every night and getting their photo taking taken and us just eating it up and she was just the perfect representation of that culture yeah steven root as the the gross record exec basically kind of says that same thing he's like the, we it's a guaranteed hit doesn't matter yep. at all what her sound i mean listen we all listened to stars are blind we all did it <laughs> did like, we did we all listen to Star- I, didn't, I don't know if i did i did listened to though? rumors i listened to rumors all the time stars are blind was a little beyond me i didn't i couldn't get into it but I love Paris. You at least listened journey. to it, though. You at least you at least tried it. Yes, I'm sure. So, uh, Jamie and Chris's lunch date. They go back to their their old stomping grounds, and this is where uh, I mean Reynolds plays a really really good good asshole. Dick. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny in a lot of his movies the he's the asshole, but he's like the rede- like we know he's going to come around like saying Van Wilder. It's like, you know, he's going to come around at the end. He's never gone full heel. I mean, I'm, I'm sure in some role or something like that, but he's always like the, he's the charming asshole. This is like, it'd be really interested to see like a version of this movie where he just like, they don't end up together and he just takes it full dick because he is so good at that. He, he is. And I think like, and I'm not trying to justify this line of thought i'm really not because you know again it's a terrible thing to be like this person didn't want to date me so i'm gonna be mean to women for the next 10 years of my life and then get my revenge on her like it's it's a terrible thing but i think like at least this is how i justified it in my mind i'm not saying this is the truth i'm saying this is what i told myself watching it over the years like he's not doing this to prove a point the way he's acting is because he thinks he can get her that way because he says it he's like she only cared about people like tim she only cared about the guys who didn't care about her if i show her that i don't care about her then she'll actually love me and again we will rent the nicest portion new jersey before we go to therapy right (laughs) so you know he says the thing is though he says he's doing it because that's how you get her but this is, we've kind of seen it. That's how he's just treating people in his life generally. Yep. He It's not acting like a guy like Tim to get Jamie. He is a guy like Tim to get he Jamie because he's rude to, he's he's rude to Samantha 
I mean, he's rude to just gen- we see people in LA. He's just generally he's he's rude in general. Um, he's very rude to the sweet woman who brings him that stack of chocolate covered pancakes. I know. Like he's again. There's a lot of Chris could probably use therapy. Like oh, of course, most people can. Yeah, that's true. Everyone like that, and that's not a bad thing. I think like what gets me about that scene more than anything is the name dropping when he's like, "Good Charlotte." <laughs> totally name dropping right now, Mick Jagger. <laughs> Mick Jagger. <laughs> and when his phone rings, he's like, "It's the coast." Be right back. <laughs> I'm just like you and suck as a person. And it's Clark. Like <laughs> <laughs> it's Clark. Of course, it's Clark. And we don't like. We really don't give enough weight to the fact that like it wasn't just that he abandoned Jamie. Clark and Darla were his friends. Like he abandoned everybody who loved him. And they he, went above and beyond for him the second he got back too. Those are exactly. good friends. Those are friends. Those are like that's real friendship. And I think he realizes it at the end. But the fact that he just kind of like saunters back into his life, I mean, even with his own family, like, you know, and his mom said like he usually flies us out. So clearly he's seen his family over the years. But just like, oh, you can just knock on your mom's door and she can just host you and you're a pop star lady. And, you know, he just kind of walks into this comfort of these people have always accepted me. It's me who rejected them, but let me go back into it. It's bullshit. Mm -hmm. It's kind of interesting that the trauma for him is so deep that he hasn't before decided to, he hasn't decided to make his triumphant return yet. Like, cause he he did exactly what he wanted to do, but he never, um, I mean, it's it's deep. He was probably deep down. He didn't want to admit it. Very scared to return to Jersey. Yeah. So the hockey game. Uh, we actually we get a sports scene in, in this one. So we're covering it on big screen sports, of course. Um, the kid the, sports bra- show. <laughs> the kid branding him suckster when they're in the huddle, and he goes, "I dubbed the suckster or whatever." Is great, great comedy. <laughs> uh, the age old tradition of adult taking a game with children way too seriously. Of course. I, I just love the lead up to it where like he's in the garage. Mom, where are my skates? She's like, I threw those out. You never you're never home. Why would I keep them? I need them because I'm good. And then he goes out there and the, what is it? The kid says to him, like a real skater or a real hockey player can skate on anything. <laughs> he's just terrible. It's it's a brilliant scene. I love the entire scene. I think it's one of the best in the movie. And we get the return of Dusty and Klein is so good at like rolling through his rolling through his lines because I go actually go by Dusty Lee now. But yeah, like, yeah, he's I feel like Chris Klein, this should have brought him like his career should have gone in a different direction and just been a comedy guy. Yeah. But I, I feel like his looks are kind of like, well, you're you know, you don't have you're not like leading man actor guy. But you could have could have been offshoot comedy guy, but also the looks and I, I don't know. This is just a perfect role for him. Well, again, in the the show that I was thinking of earlier is called Sweet Magnolias, not Steel Magnolias. It's on Netflix, I believe. He plays. I just I need everyone to know this if you have not watched it. It's set in the South. He plays the ex husband of the main character. And the reason why he's the ex-husband, he's like a Southern dentist, but he talks like this. It's terrible. He has been cheating on his wife with his dental hygienist, who is played by Jamie Lynn Spears, Britney Spears' sister. (laughs) And she's pregnant. (laughs) 
like I highly recommend everyone watch the show because I'm obsessed with it. But anyway, I'm sorry. When when people don't have the real hand, like when it's either someone who's not from the South or someone who's just not a great actor tries to go for the Southern accent, they all just sound like those the Colonel Sanders commercials. Yes, or like Foghorn Leghorn, <laughs> and it's very much why you gotta act like that. <laughs> I'm just like no one no one could teach you just a reasonable southern dialect it's fine it's fine well, we're fine arguably some of the best Klein is in the when they go see the notebook when he shows up and and he <laughs> when he the reaction when he sees Chris's mom Carol and then uh and then the, the nice outfit rock and roll I know. ding dong dusty Hey, why? Are you kidding, man? I love the notebook. I mean, listen, I know it might sound a little corny, maybe even a little femme, but I find something so resplendent in the simplicity of Nicholas Sparks' writing, you know what I mean? Nice outfit, by the way. Rock and roll. Carol? Oh, my God! Carol? Oh, my goodness! This is old home week. Oh, absolutely. His, it's... The greatest thing to me about this movie are the lines that you don't catch if you're watching it superficially. Like, I I can't remember the first time I watched it. I know I was 19, 20. I was telling Kyle before this, like, I watched this with my first boyfriend who was a terrible human being. So I had to spend years, like, rebuilding these memories so I could love the movie. But the great thing about this movie is every time you watch it, you kind of discover something else. And those are my favorite movies. To me, the best lines are the ones you were not paying attention to in that rock and roll. It's <laughs> like, so good. It's just so good. And like, yeah, I think everything, obviously like, he's an awful guy in this movie, but again, he's the story of like a guy who was very teased in high school. He was Dusty Dinkleman. He skis in his jeans. <laughs> well, and at this point, we still think he's super cheese dick nice guy. And yes. that, that's that's the route he's gone with this. So it makes the heel turn just that much better at the hospital. It's just I know. fantastic. But the, them going to see the notebook really rolls into Chris and Jamie watching the home videos, which is like it's old Chris on video Chris doing way more work for reminding Jamie of this stuff than the new than current Chris yeah. is doing. It's really the best bonding they do as adults in this movie. Of course. And I think it's, it's also part of that is like at this point in the movie, because he got so beaten up in the hockey game, he's wearing a retainer. He's decided to like shift his um, strategy from being just an asshole to like, well, I'm just going to be this total nerd. I'm going to wear my old sweaters and I'm just going to look like a total dork. So he gets back in what he has rejected for 10 years, what he thought killed him, what he thought was totally bad. He's back in like what she loved about him and he's understanding it too. Like they're in a moment where he kind of remembers like I wasn't a bad person. People rejected me, but I didn't love myself and that was the problem. And then you have this great like they're watching themselves and then ugh, this next scene kills me it kills me because it's both the most authentic and inauthentic part of the movie when Wait, it's like, and, go ahead no which which one when you say the next scene when it's time for them to go to sleep and she you know puts, so that that is actually you've Oh, I thought I complete, the same thing. I no, I thought the, the same thing that that was because then it goes to Christmas Day, which <gasps> is a fucking disaster. Because right. he goes over to the Palominos. Right. You've, you've got Dusty just killing it on the guitar, which like <laughs> I want to talk about 
Like, why is Dusty at Christmas at the Palominos? Presumably, Dusty's family lives there. Like, we know why Chris is there. Like, the only yeah. people at home are his mom and brother, and like, and mm-hmm. he's, you know, he's there. But like, why? Like, why is Dusty playing guitar seemingly for a room of strangers? And Jamie, that's that's a whole other thing. But then, like, then Anna Ferris shows up, blows the Ruins blows everything. the place up. But then the scene you're talking about is Jamie shows up yes. at Chris's house. It's like. Why the right. fuck? At this point, she's like, Jamie, just like, there's got to be someone, someone better, someone who's who hasn't destroyed your, destroyed your Christmas. But like, Chris needs to just leave Jersey, get the hell out of there. But Jamie shows up and she's got the yearbook that I want to talk to the guy who wrote me this, but we don't see him talk about it. We needed to see them like talk about their actual feelings, and that doesn't really happen. I know. That's a very realistic scenario. <laughs> I mean, I can't personally relate to it. <laughs> Sorry, listeners. We've got some inside jokes going on here. I know. I, I can't believe it. <laughs> I know. It's crazy that two best friends would. Anyway, um, I agree with all of that. And I can't believe I conflated this too. I literally watched this movie two weeks ago. You're absolutely right. No, because I I, th- I thought the same thing. I thought they were going to go from the home movies to the bed. And I completely forgot about the actual Christmas Day scene. You're right. And it's a disaster. And the thing was, it wasn't even the yearbook. It was he gave her the 100 things he loves about Jamie letter. That's what it was. So like, yes. I want to talk to the guy who wrote this. But then they don't talk about it. She comes out of the bathroom wearing his dress shirt. Wearing the we're obviously about to have sex outfit. We are obviously like I'm coming out. I'm not in pants. I'm wearing your shirt. And you think like there's no scenario in real life. I don't care who you are. I don't care how attracted you are to that woman. There is no scenario where she gets in bed with you and you guys are not hooking up. There is no even if you regret it later. There's no scenario where that happens. And that's like a full bed, too. That's a that's tiny a full, bed. That's... No, you have to touch each other to go to sleep. There's just, there's not a scenario where that happens. And that was like on my list for like the most unrealistic part of the movie. And I get the frustration of like, oh, she's like, what does she say? Like, my feet are cold. Will you warm them up? He, She gives him every, every line and he just turns over. So the thing is, they we really haven't gotten a reason of why she would want to sleep with him, other than he is just attractive. Now they've had they had the moment with the home movies and stuff, but like, yes, she brought over the letter, but like we needed some semblance of this is what they've talked about. We needed something other because at that point, him not sleeping with her is one of the few honorable things he does during his visit to Jersey. In terms of at least like not wanting to you know, deciding that he's not just here to hook up with Jamie in some form or fashion. It's one of the first times that we've seen him actually be like, I still have feelings, but that's the first time we actually real. I mean, we know deep down he's got feelings, but it's one of the first actions that he actually does where it's like, Oh, he feels more than just wanting to anger bang his high school crush. I get it. But my thing is like, so don't anger bang her and just realistically bang her. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, they, they would have. Yeah. I mean, they, especially like, especially this fucking guy. Like, of course he would have. <laughs> this guy right here, Chris Brander, would have yeah. totally done it. But that's my point is like, I don't think he would have done it superficially. I think 
that was the vulnerability moment. And if the intention was for us to see him as someone who's like suddenly like, oh no, I've been playing her. She deserves so much better than this. Fine. But they didn't do enough in the movie to show us that. Yeah. Like they didn't do enough to show us that's where his mind was going. All we've seen is him being strategic. Suddenly like she's there, man. She got the letter. She's all in. She's wearing your shirt. She's not wearing pants. She needs you to warm her up in bed. And you turn over and it's honorable. I don't buy it. Like, you knew where that was going. And he, if you really care about her, so go with it and just don't do it for mean reasons. I don't see why that's hard. Yeah. Yeah. And it definitely wouldn't have happened. Um, We've got the movie then kind of turns then. Like, things start getting worse and worse for Chris. He gets, (laughs) you get... Uh, <laughs> Dusty at the hospital, which Klein is just on a on an absolute heater. Janice. Klein is just rolling. Yeah, <laughs> Klein is just rolling sevens this whole movie. And then when Janice smiles, <laughs> <laughs> how do you feel about the the end of this movie? The the I because I want to take you on a date speech. Okay, okay, I have some feelings about it. So we know. In this movie, there are two different voices that Ryan has. There's the Chris when he's high school Chris, right? And like, I'm kind of up here, Jamie. And then there's like the Chris, he's gone to LA and he hangs with good Charlotte and Pink. The coast is calling, yeah. That the coast, I gotta, you know, Mick Jagger. So <laughs> there are a few things that make me uncomfortable about the last scene. Look, I'm a sucker for the last like, oh, he shows up at your door because he loves you and blah, blah, blah. We know everything that leads up to it. I just, he starts talking to her and he's using the high school voice and it bothers me a little bit. Do you know what I mean? Am I making that up? No, and know? it's yeah. it's a lot. I feel like the problem with the speech, like it's good in theory. It is good in theory. I feel like the problem with the speech is that it, for us as the viewer, it's based on all the high school feelings. It's yes. like, I want to take you on a date. I want to marry you because- of this bond we shared at high school. We really haven't seen that bond turn into something meaningful as adults. Like people change a lot after high school. Like you're in 10 years after high school. Exactly. And like in, you know, there's a lot of habits that he's going to have to unlearn to be a decent human being again. So it's the speech in theory should have been a lot, should have been good. I know it could have been more apologetic. It could have been not so much a, I love you. I want to have your babies. I want to whatever. It could have just been, you know, I, (laughs) I mean, it's what we always say. It could have been like a, Hey, I've realized that the trauma I endured (laughs) has led me to make bad decisions in adulthood. I realized it's not as sexy. I just like the redeemable part of that scene is truly because this is a real life thing. The fact that like we all buy into the movie kiss, right? The rom-com kiss and it's always magical. The fact that he kisses her way too aggressively <laughs> and she's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And he's like, sorry, 10 years built up. That's the most realistic part of that entire thing. Cause that's real. Yeah. Like that's real. Sometimes it just doesn't click and you can have a very romantic moment that's ruined by something very human and awkward. Love that. But I agree. It was like that he already said how he felt about her she already knew that that's why he rejected her and everybody else because he felt embarrassed i think like there had to there needed to be some sort of realization or some sort of spoken acknowledgement 
that like, I did this to you because I thought I had to, and I was a jerk and I was an asshole and just leave it at, as the, I want to take you on a real date. That's, that's what it should have. Yeah. It shouldn't have gone to marry. Like, I just want to, I want to take you on a real date. I want to give this a chance. I want, you know, I want a chance or something like that. That's it. That's what you leave it. It's still just as romantic. Yeah. So say hypothetically they get married, like this is long term, you know, they're doing the holidays together for the rest of their lives. How long until he can go back over to the Palomino's house and her dad just isn't just like completely fuck, like fuck this guy. That's the thing. I don't know how you ever get back in his good graces. Never. I mean, he had it out for him from the beginning. (laughs) He liked, I mean, he's clearly a dad. They set up that character very similar to Hallmark movies they set up that characters to love a person like Dusty he's the local guy he's the he saves the day and he's writing songs and all of this stuff he's a guy who is not impressed by good Charlotte and Pink no does not care about LA and that that west coast money ain't no good here mm -mm, it doesn't matter so yeah (laughs) not in Jersey it's not as easy as that and then like you know Chris has to like men fences with Clark and Darla as well. It's not okay to just abandon your people because someone was mean to you. That's not okay. Yeah. And yeah. we never, that's the thing. Like I love a good origin story, but when we just use the origin story as like justification, as opposed to a way to understand motivations, that's when I'm out, but it's easier in rom-coms to ignore that. You know, Jacqueline had a great theory last night. And that, or I guess a great take on this one, and that it is kind of like a Hallmark movie, but with way better talent. Yes. And with more like open mouth kissing. A lot of open mouth kissing. (laughs) That's always my thing when I pitch those silly movies. I'm like, this is just like a Hallmark movie, but they kiss with their mouths open. So you know it's good. (laughs) What is the best scene in this one for you? Oh, okay. I have some things written down. Yeah, did I miss any of your favorites? I feel like I got almost every scene in the movie, but did I miss anything? It's not even so much whole scenes. Like, I definitely had the hockey scene down as my favorite scene because I laugh like a child every time. I think it's so brilliant. Um, I, it's not even so much a scene for me as it is like his interactions with Samantha are so good. And so this kind of bleeds into my best quote. Because it's not really a profound quote, but it's toward the beginning when he goes to the record studio and she's recording her album terribly. And she sees him and clearly they've had some sort of dalliance before this. She's like, oh my God, Chris, they've clearly hooked up before. And there's this exchange. It's so stupid, but I cry laugh every time. She says, God, I want to lick your skin off. And he says, I'd prefer you didn't. And she goes, but I want to. And he <laughs> says, don't. <laughs> it's the funniest thing I've ever seen. And I think like Anna Ferris does not get her full due in this movie because I think she's like the real star. And I think Forgiveness is a brilliant song, but that's... I mean, if we're just rolling into best quotes when the plane gets grounded and she is like, <laughs> wait a minute, am I, being, am I being punked? Oh my God. <laughs> Calling for Ashton. <laughs> Daddy, we're down. It's not exactly warm out here, is it? How long till we're airborne again? Nice plane! Not till tomorrow. Oh, terrific. Where are we? Not happy! We're on a private field, an hour outside of Trent. Jersey. We're in New Jersey. Hey, wait a minute. Am I being punked? Where's Ashton? <gasps> Ashton! Oh, my God! <laughs> you totally got me! <laughs> 
I, I just love when she's like, well, how was I supposed to know the foil was going to catch on fire or whatever? And then she grabs her phone. She's like, Daddy, we're down. <laughs> so good. She's just so funny the whole time. And like, even in that first bar scene we were talking about, when she's like, no pictures, <laughs> thank you. Plastic menus, well, this isn't going to do, is it? <laughs> she's so good. She's just so talented. I love Anna Ferris. This she's, is a pro Anna Ferris podcast. She's so, so good in this one. Like, incredible. Like, I, everything she says is is the the Darla. And, like, the callback when she's, she's broken into his house, she's playing in the new <laughs> forgiveness, and he's like, I just want, you know, one girl, whatever. She's like, I could do, I could do other girls. Darla. Darla. <laughs> TJ. She's so good. Which we have to talk about forgiveness as a song because what a song. It's the end credit song. Is it not? Don't they it play is. it in the end credits? Yes. So but she like, that's the full version, but she gives us like little tastes of it throughout. And I just like, I just love it. And I sing it to my close friends and family. <laughs> way more than I should but I think it's so good and uh, oh I'm gushing now but for uh for best quote we need to give a shout out Caroline not here with us but did want us to, to comment on Clark <laughs> saying this is a Pontiac Grand Prix <laughs> I love it and that reminds me of like when he rents that stupid Porsche and he's talking to Clark and he's like I got the nicest Porsche in Jersey blah 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 and then then she gets in the car and he's like, I hate this thing. It's so ostentatious. <laughs> it's so good. What a movie. Underrated line is when he gets tossed out of the bar after making an ass of himself, <laughs> after after saying the ridiculous, the horrible thing to Jamie about peaking in high school, but he gets tossed out of the bar and the bartender, and stay out. I've always wanted to say that. <laughs> there Again, it's like, it's the subtle stuff that you're not supposed to hear or see like even when he gets to his mom's house and like his brother comes in and says to Samantha like I have your poster on my wall I would say I slapped the ham to it like twice a day and his mom says what ham did you slap not the one I just bought we <laughs> haven't so talked bad. about his mom at all but Julie Haggerty is one a legend she was an airplane which is a still it's Brilliant. 40 years old still holds up still, still really funny up. in this movie she is fantastic the the part when he's looking for his skates and she tells him to be yourself and be, be yourself, yourself. <laughs> be yourself she just says it over and over i love it she's amazing what a lady what a this gal. will not be the last time we talk about her on this podcast because she is in a sports movie do you know what sports movie no i don't she she is in she's the man <gasps> i have not watched that since I was 19. Is well, that the theme of your podcast? <laughs> just movies movies we watched watch when we were 19. 19. She's the man still holds up. Still really, really good. Love um, that movie. It's the best. Alex, let's take a quick ad break because it's almost 50 minutes in and I forgot to put one in. So let's take a break. All right. Let's do it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, we're back. Uh the most authentic, least authentic parts is we touched on, we've touched on a little bit. I just want to say something that for me was wildly authentic. Just like looking in a mirror, <laughs> acting like a dumbass in front of the person that you've got a crush on. It's a tale oh, as old as time. Tale as old as time. Yes, I agree. Like, uh, what is it? It's just something. And it's, I don't think it's a gendered thing either because it's, you know, the whole thing is like, if a boy likes you, he's mean to you. Well, that's bullshit. But like, I do remember being in high school and the whole thing was like, if you could, if you could befriend your crush, if you could become their friend, acting like an idiot around them just cemented your friendship because it made you seem like you weren't after them, even though that was your plan in your head. So I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Also, something else that's really realistic is guys using the concept of the friend zone as an excuse for just being a piece of shit. I or just getting rejected. Like, again, this is always going to bother me. And I think the friend zone is dumb and not a thing like there's no such thing as a friend zone. If, yeah. if someone and this is man or woman, if someone is not interested in you, there's nothing wrong with them. There's nothing wrong with you. They're just not interested. Yeah, okay? it's like it's like the thing about like incels. Like it Ugh, like yes. buddy, no one is no one is obligated to sleep with you because you want them. And that's that's exactly. the whole that's the whole problem. That's the whole problem with the friend zone. Yeah, and it's just like there's no I'm sure there some people like this or maybe a lot of people like this. There's no active societal way of thought of like Oh, I'm friends with this person. Oh no, they like me. Well, let me put them in a zone where they can never like me. It's just, do you want to go on a date or you don't? You don't. Okay, so let's move on. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I just yeah, it's a very mid 2000s like mid like early aughts way of thinking. The friend zone was big in the in the mid 2000s. It was it was <sighs> a thing. Maybe it was this movie, but it was definitely a thing. What is what was the most realistic part of this movie for you? Um, I'm kind of <laughs> I'm going back to the kiss scene. <laughs> when he kisses her way too hard. I just think like, not just that, but I think being human with another per person, even if like, I get it, you're caught up in someone, you don't want them to know that you're human. You want them to think that you're perfectly coiffed and made up and totally smooth all the time. I just really love that. And that also happened. Have you ever seen in, um, oh, what's the movie called? Jack Nicholson, As Good As It Gets. Have you seen that movie with Helen Hunt? I... I have caught it on commercials and not okay. like I haven't given it. I haven't given it its due. That's another thing. Like just it's a rom-com in a different way. Point is last scene, he and Helen Hunt finally go to kiss and he's not good at it. And he's like, wait, I can do better. And he tries again. And it's still not good. <laughs> like, I love that. I, but I think when you're younger, you don't love it so much, but when you, when you get older, and especially if you have a kid and you're dating while you're a parent, 
you know, Kyle, like that human stuff is more endearing than the other stuff. It's yeah. like, I can be a human being in front of you. And that doesn't mean we have to lose any of the magic or any of the excitement, but I just, I love that he kisses her way too hard. But the best thing is she doesn't try to protect his feelings. She's like, whoa, whoa, hold on. He's like, sorry, 10 years coming out. And then they have a great kiss. I think it's very realistic and I love it. Yeah. I mean, one of the best parts about my wife is that she allows me to be a complete dumbass in front of her. Like all yep. the time. I, I embarrass myself like six times a day and she Still, unless she's upstairs packing her bags, like we're still good. So Jacqueline is a friend of the podcast. Friend, <laughs> like, I think. I mean, not to get too personal, but I think Jacqueline's amazing. And I've said this before in private, but I want it on the record. Like you have a wonderful, wonderful wife, and you are she, a wonderful she, husband too. By the way, that's not me saying like, oh, she puts up with you. I think you guys have a good thing. Well, thank you, thank you. Yeah, she she also told me that you were the the best part of our Ted Lasso episode. So that's something. oh man, we gotta <laughs> bring her on the show. You can take a break. <laughs> there at some yeah at some point at some point we're gonna have to make that happen. I really owe her. But what is <laughs> for you? What is the least realistic part of this movie? His his whole reasoning for leaving, like the way the movie makes it seem like, because he got on his bike and biked to L.A. You know what I mean? <laughs> this idea that you would just abandon the people who were good to you because the people who weren't were so bad. I'm not saying people don't do that. It's just like, again, as a person who identifies with that, like people, and again, people were not cruel to me in high school. I just wasn't like, I wasn't ever going to be like a cool person. You know what I mean? And I wanted to get away from my high school, but I didn't like abandon my best friends. The people who were good to you, you keep them because they're good to yeah. you. The idea that he just left behind everyone who was there for him when the other people weren't to go. I just, I don't think that's realistic. And it bothers me. Him like cutting bait with Jamie in some way. Like I could just see like, maybe there's so much trauma and he's like, I just can't like, I just can't even bear to talk to her Mm -mm. without thinking of this horrible, horrible night. Still not healthy at all. But like Clark and Darla were there gassing him up right before he he did that. Like they have been there for him through thick and thin. They know how he felt. They obviously weren't the people mocking him, and he uh, just like cut them out enough to not even know that they ended up married or anything like that. Is, I know. Um, and have a tough. kid. Yeah, TJ. TJ. <laughs> TJ. <laughs> so my least realistic or least authentic. So I'm not sure they end up together or should end up together. I really feel like after that first terrible lunch date, he drops her off. It's gone badly. He does the weird body shake thing. It's gone terribly. And then she comes back to the car and he has lost his, he's like <laughs> losing his marbles like in front of her. At that point, they don't give Jamie enough, the the character, the intelligence of Jamie, they don't give that character any credit at all. Yeah. All movie. Because like she should have gone in and been like, wow, you know, like, the guy cut me off for 10 years. That's kind of a red flag. This date was horrible. I just saw him being crazy in the car. Um, when he calls the next day and says my flight got delayed, she's like, well, why don't you go hang out with Clark and Darla? Because I've got plans. I think she makes exactly. up plans. I think she cuts bait. I, I agree. And just even the whole premise of like, oh, no, I'm at the mercy of this flight. Okay. You're a big hotshot L.A person you're with like one of the biggest you know modern like pop culture celebrities in the world you're not at the mercy of a plane in new jersey you're just not they get you out of there 
the whole thing was just and I realized like he's lying to her like to stay but the whole thing was just so dumb but I agree like she's you know she's 28 29 years old she's not waiting around for that I my thought is always like I wouldn't go back for the gloves they're gloves let it go yeah. If I, if I had a date like that, there's no Because it's gone, help. it's gone badly. That whole date has gone badly. And she even, she says when he goes to take the call from the coast, she's like, what, what happened to you or whatever like yeah. that? Like, so she's obviously realized like that friend I had, that guy is long gone. Yep. So it's, yeah, Jamie, Jamie should have found herself a nice Jersey man and. Dusty s- Dinkleman. D- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so what, it. what else worked about this one that we have not somehow not not talked about. I want to give credence to this actually being a Christmas movie and that it uses Christmas time really well. I think I like that it's like it's not just the guy returning to his hometown. He's returning to Christmas when people are getting together and there's yeah. the decorations and I I think that's important for the setting and the fact that everyone's able to kind of be around all the time. It's got that like laid back holiday vibe when things I don't know. It's like in the holidays, things are just very give and go and like everything's kind of flexible versus like him just intruding on their normal public schedule. I think it actually uses the the structure of Christmas, maybe not like the actual Christmas spirit, but like just the structure of what the holidays are like really, really well. Yes, I agree. And I think like uh, on top of that, I think it has one of the best soundtracks of a movie of that era. That well, because it's that era, they're also, it's like the songs from 1995. I know, <laughs> it's the same, but they also, they get some Rogue Wave in there. Like they get, you know, it was like Eyes by Rogue Wave has a lot of personal meaning to me <laughs> for reasons we will not discuss on this podcast. But even like Hack and Sack, there's just, it's a really good soundtrack. It's very good at telling the story of a smallish town at Christmas, especially like a northern town at Christmas. In the south, it's different. You know, obviously we don't have snow. We do our best. (laughs) We have Christmas parades. We have, you know, but we don't have like carolers. And it's just not the same thing as like feeling like you're part of a village or something. And that's what I think works. Again, you put this in any other season, it doesn't work as well. You need that you need the structure of family is like supposed to be together right now. We should, we should be spending time together. There's nothing better in my hometown. We don't don't have a bar. We have a, like a Greyhound track in West Memphis that has some bars in it. That sounds wonderful. It's pretty great. But like, we don't have, we don't have the hometown bar with like the Christmas lights and stuff. And it's one of my favorite things about this movie. It feels so warm and so homey. And it's different from like a southerner growing up in a town Like you don't have the same things. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah. Like it's it's great. It's the the Christmas setting. What else? What work that we haven't touched on yet? I feel like we've touched on a lot. A lot of the stuff. I mean, just the <laughs> laugh out loudness, the casting, a lot, a lot of good stuff. We had a whole structure to the show and just threw it out. The window. That's, it that's like, the, those are the best talking. episodes. I know those really are. <laughs> No, I mean, I think it's obviously we've discussed all the things we don't like about it, but there's a reason I come back to it every year. And part of it is probably nostalgia and remembering being 19 and stupid and loving rom-coms and loving comedy in general, because I think Ryan Reynolds is brilliant. I don't know. I think it, it just works in general. It's a nice, it, it doesn't hit you over the head with the things that it should regret. Does that make sense? You yeah. can watch it and be like, oh, okay. I know we were laughing about that in like 2004, not anymore, 
but it's still okay. It's not like embarrassingly bad. It's not Van Wilder where you're just not going to watch it again because you don't want to deal with the fact that you watched it as a kid. Just no way. Yeah, yeah, just can't just just can't dive into that. I mean, if you go into what didn't work about this one, it's it's kind of the thing. Like we did an episode of Mystery Alaska last week, which is a hockey movie from '99, and like there's just especially now in 2021, there's just obvious stuff that gets wiped away if it gets remade. There's mm-hmm. a, there's some homophobia, some fat shaming, some stuff that would just would just not be you know like. Uh, uh jamie's dad calls chris the r word like or calls actually he calls jared from subway the r word which like there's a different word you could have called him which would i don't even remember that yeah he asked him how he lost all that weight uh like that that fellow from subway who uh, frankly nothing in this nothing in this movie has aged worse than that fellow from subway yeah uh who is last i checked still behind bars um, but there, there's that stuff, which kind of, I mean, it unfortunately kind of comes with the territory of every, most comedies yeah. over, you know, over from that period. But there's not, you know, we talked about the Chris and Jamie's relationship with, as adults, there's not a whole lot else that doesn't really work about this one. It's just generally, yeah. it's very, it's very fun. Yeah. It's dated, but see like that, the fact that I don't remember that bothers me because it just shows you like back then we were so conditioned to hear certain things and certain words. And it's astounding to me. It's crazy to me to like, and I realized it was 15, 16 years ago. It's wild. And I'm not going on a tangent, I swear. But you think about like black eyed peas and like, let's get it started. But what was the real version? I'm like, yeah. I cannot believe as a society, we were okay with that. But I also think it's a great thing that we're not. I think it's a great thing that we are stunned by that now. Cause it shows Obviously, progress has been made, but it is jarring to go back to that and think, like we sat in a theater and did not think twice about these things. Yeah, and that was a that was a line for comedic effect back then, which is which is even crazier. It's unimaginable. I alluded to this earlier: the Lenny Harris Pinch Hitter Award for Best Supporting Character. This is as loaded as it gets. I'm gonna run through nominees because I just so Anna Ferris is incredible. I'm considering this as everyone who is not Ryan Reynolds or Amy Smart. Yeah, same. Anna Ferris, she's incredible. Julie Haggerty as is, 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 is his mom is is fucking incredible. Uh, Chris Marquette is Mike Brander, who yeah. is his brother. This poor guy, I believe, I think he got market corrected by Miles Teller. Are you familiar with the concept, Wesley Morris's concept of market correction? Yes. I think he got market corrected by Miles Teller. I agree. Um, this is a name I'm not going to be able to pronounce. Fred Ewanick as Clark. Um, I think he might, he's more Canadian. I think he does a lot of Canadian, Canadian mm-hmm. productions. I think he got market corrected by Jake Johnson, the guy from new girl. Oh my God. I never even thought about that, but you're right. Uh, Steven root is Casey. Who's the dickhead record. Exact Steven root, just incredible character actors, fantastic and everything great. he's in. And Chris Klein as Dusty Jankelman, who is, I had texted you and Caroline this. He didn't deserve an Oscar for this, but he did not deserve an Oscar. He was great. I think Chris Klein is very talented. I think it's a shame that he ends up in roles like I've talked about with Sweet Magnolias, where he's playing the Southern, you know, wife cheater with Britney Spears' sister. I, but I've always thought- It's just not his forte. He doesn't have that club in the bag. He, he, very good. And I, I agree. I think like if he did more off the wall comedies like this, cause he's good at it and he's good at playing like that guy you kind of love to hate, but he's funny enough you don't. I think he's great. For me though- I don't know how you walk away from this and not say Anna Ferris deserved every award 
for what she did as Samantha James. She's incredible. She's just incredible. I wanted something about Julie Haggerty though that we haven't shouted out is the it ends up being a running joke. The uh so Julie Haggerty the the what becomes a running joke the conversation where I believe Chris is on the phone with JB and she picks up and she's like, Joyce. And he's like, Joyce? no mom. And then what are you doing over at Joyce's? <laughs> which is, which no is, mom. <laughs> and it happens. She is, she's so, so good. Do you want to go ice skating? I thought you hated ice skating. I used to, but you know, I'm actually pretty damn good now. I'm the MVP in my league. In fact, come on, be like old times. Hello, Joyce. Mom. I'm on the phone. Well, well, Chris, what are you doing over at Joyce's? No, Mom. I'm in the living room 10 feet away from you, and I'm on the phone. Oh. Well, you know, I was wondering, while I have you on the phone, what would you like for dinner? We we have a choice between chicken chow mein or pot roast. So I, I need to I need to walk a take back. I said Chris okay. Klein, you know, did not deserve an Oscar. 06, actually a loaded Oscar year. Uh, George Clooney gets his win. Paul Giamatti and Cinderella Man, which is just an incredible performance, covered it on this pod. Jake Gyllenhaal and Brokeback Mountain. William Hurt and History of Violence, which is really good. And Matt Dillon and Crash, which like that movie gets dragged, but he's really good. And like we we stand Matt Dillon. That'd Wait. be a tough year for Chris Klein to break into. Jake was nominated and not Heath? Heath was nominated for Best Actor. And he lost to Philip Seymour Hoffman. That's a loaded ass category. That That's Heath and Brokeback, Philip Seymour Hoffman and Capote, Terrence Howard and Hustle and Flow, Joaquin and Walk the Line, and David Strathern and Good Night and Good Luck. That was a big year. That's a that was a very good man. Movie years used to be awesome. I didn't even consider Jake to be a supporting actor in that. I need to go back and watch it. It must have been just how they ran him. Because yeah. if you ran them both be. against each other, Heath would get the nom. Yeah. And so because i mean he was just he's just better um wow. yeah man how about that what a time 15 and years that's 06 that's 06 oscars talk uh <laughs> no i think um i think you're right that it's it's ferris but uh just shout out chris Klein. never been better than in this one very good he's very good in this one the big chill or i guess the the big moment in a movie like this they want it to be the speech Yep. Don't know if it's the speech. I don't think it's the speech. Don't know if there is one. That was the thing. When I thought about this, I was like, I can't think of one scene that really does it for me in that way, you know, where it's like, oh boy. Like, I, I will say, I don't think this really counts for the big chill, but like the moment for me that is painful in, in a powerful way, not in a, oh God, they shouldn't have said that way, is when he tells her, he calls her the girl who peaked in high school. It's so upsetting it's to me. Brutal. It's, it was it's the nastiest thing he says all movie. And let me tell you something. You can be the finest man on earth if you say that to me, and then you show up on my doorstep a few days later. I am leaving you out in the cold. There's no forgiving that. There's no forgiving that at all. It is. I should have brought this up earlier, but it is the meanest thing you can say to somebody. It immediately shows you have no respect for them. And like, look, I know relationships are tricky. I've been in them. You say the meanest things that you can say in the moment sometimes if you're in an unhealthy relationship. That to me, you don't go, you don't come back from that. You don't forgive that. Somebody who like reduces you to who you were 10 years ago, mm -mm. show up at my door. I dare you because I will clean your clock. Yeah. Jamie should, Jamie should have just, she should open that door and just said, I'm moving on. You're moving on. See you later. 
Bye. We've touched on how to improve it a bit. I think, like, I still love this movie, but needed. Sure. We needed more development of their potential relationship as adults and not just banking on their high school friendship. I think that I think that's the big key in kind of turning the tide. I agree. There wasn't enough there to say that like this should happen. It was all just how he felt about her in high school. It made her seem shallow. Like, oh, now that he's impressive and he looks different. Now I like him. And that's not fair. That's I what Jacqueline that. was saying too, was that the movie thinks her character is kind of stupid. Yep. They treat her like she's dumb and shallow and, oh, I'm working at a bar. And I mean, they don't really get into her life and her aspirations. And, you know, they're like, I'm a teacher, which is amazing. But they could have gone so much deeper into that. Yeah. Like, I love what I do. And I mean, she could. Yeah, she could. She could have been a, a teacher first. And it makes her seem like the, just as she's like bartending and the teaching things kind of besides like a pipe dream kind of thing. And yeah, it's uh yeah, they, they could have done more. Um, last category yep. before more restore Alex lay out your lay out this remake <laughs> for the folks I think I don't want a prequel I don't want a sequel I do think a remake is possible and here's what I'm seeing guys you do a remake with Tom Holland and Zendaya but the roles are reversed so Zendaya was the one who was teased in high school and Tom Holland was like the popular guy. And here's the great thing. The way they wrote this movie, all the names are unisex. You can just like invert them, whatever. So you have Zendaya as Chris Brander, Christina Brander. Well, I don't know. It doesn't matter. You can call her Chris. That's fine. You have Tom Holland as Jamie Palomino, who is now like working at a bar, whatever. And Samantha James can be Sam or Sammy James played by Harry Styles. So the one thing is... We have not seen Harry Styles be anything other than just the best human. I know. I mean, uh, in the TikToks, in interview clips, in the, like in the TikTok. he's checking on his fans. He's <laughs> telling fans not to get back with their controlling boyfriends. He's he, doing the hog call in Arkansas. He's doing the hog call in Arkansas. He's like cheering up Braves fans before the World Series. Bless their hearts. I mean, he's he is just the. I mean, he puts me to sleep every night. He does a sleep story on the call map. Do you know about this? I, I have heard. I've heard of this. Yes, we we you have not. On, like, we have somehow not. Li- I can't believe that hasn't been brought up in our in in Jacqueline's bed. But uh, no, we. Have- uh, well, it should be. Hey, Jacqueline, look, you get to go on five dates with Harry Styles in this one sleep story. You're just going on different scenarios of dates with him. Point being, I want to see him play a total dick. I I mean I. If this movie came out on Netflix tomorrow, it, I'd be absolutely watch watching it. Absolutely, absolutely exactly. watching it. Um, but, you know, again, this one is on, the one we have is on Netflix until December 31st. Folks, go go check it out. Rewatch it. It's Christmas season. Uh, Alex, Ooh. it was great to do this again. We I love this. I'm, we have some stuff in the hopper. Folks, if you join the Patreon, you'll know before anyone else. But Alex, where can the folks follow you? They can follow me on Twitter at Alex McDaniel. The tweets aren't great, but they're there. Um, but more importantly, you can follow the amazing team I work with at For the Win. It's ftw.usatoday.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, please remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcast, rate, and leave a review. Episodes come every Monday. If you are a baseball fan, check out my interview series, From Phenom to the Farm. That's presented by Baseball America. Tomorrow on From Phenom to the Farm, Dontrell Willis. It's a good one. Check that one out. 
We'll catch you here on Big Screen Sports next week. Thanks for listening. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.